Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 24th of July. And on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1242 and we travel to Germany where Christine von Stomheim was born near Cologne. Christine's father was a well-to-do peasant named Hendrik Brusso and her mother was called Hilla. And when she was only five years old, she claimed to have had visions of the Christ child to whom she mystically married in her tenth year. At a time when there was no formal education, at the age of 11 she learned to read using the Psalter, but could not write. This was a notable achievement of self-tutoring in the 13th century, and so she stood out amongst her peers who were illiterate in rural Germany. And life expectancy was also short. Around one-third of infants died in their first year. The only reliable data we have for the 12th and 13th century is from male landowning aristocracy from England. And if they were lucky, we know that if they were to reach the age of 10, their life expectancy was maybe 42 to 48 years. The only other records that we have of the time exceeding this were monastic ones. So for rural presence, the expectation was that girls would marry as soon as they had reached puberty, because life was short. Christine's parents wished to give her in marriage at the age of 12. But bearing in mind her mystical marriage, she was able to persuade them to send her to a, a convent of the Beguines in Cologne. The Beguines were a Christian lay religious order that were active in Western Europe particularly in the Low Countries, in the 13th to 16th century. The members lived in a semi-monastic community and promised not to marry as long as they lived as Beguines, to quote from one of their early rules. Like the more formal vows of religious order, they were free to leave at any time. And for women, this offered a middle way between marriage and the convent. And soon there were more women than men, some of them brought homes that neighboured each other and effectively became small communities of women who grew to be very influential in their towns, moved or inspired by their commitment to prayer and the sacraments and charitable service. Local clergy sought to channel and deploy their spiritual fame in response to contemporary problems. Soon they were part of a larger spiritual revival movement in the 13th century that stressed the imitation of Christ's life through voluntary poverty, care of the poor and sick, and religious devotion. It has been suggested that a 20th century American radical Dorothy Day carried on this tradition. And in the Beguinage, Christine led a life of severe penance, spent a lot of time in prayer, and often fell into convulsions. As a result of this intensely spiritual life, she received the stigmata on her hands and feet and the marks of the crown of thorns on her head when she was 15. Stigmata is a rare mystical gift in Christianity, which is manifested by the appearance of bodily wounds, scars and pain sometimes in locations corresponding to the crucifixion wounds of Jesus Christ. 
The idea is that to be in love with Christ is to share everything, even the suffering that he went through in his passion. It is possible that St. Paul had received them, as his letter to the community of Galatia in Turkey. He wrote, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Though we have no corroborating evidence of this. Stigmata also is exclusively associated with Catholicism, and most reported stigmatics are members of religious orders and have devoted themselves to lives of prayer. If we set aside the ambiguous case of St. Paul, St. Francis of Assisi was the first recorded stigmatic, and most famously, recently, the Italian Franciscan Padre Pio became world famous and also was studied by several 20th century doctors and physicians. You can hear about this in the podcast of July the 26th. Curiously, stigmata, however, is foreign to the Orthodox Church and, as far as I know, Protestantism. The Orthodox Church professes no official view on the matter. So the only stigmatics have been Catholics who lived after the Great Schism of 1054. And a high percentage, perhaps over 80% of all stigmatics, are women. Christine's life in the Beguinage was not a success. The other Beguines thought her crazy and they treated her with contempt. So she went back home, where eventually she found a refuge with her parish priest Johannes, who took Christine into his house. Notably, this didn't seem to be a cause for scandal, as people knew about her mystical marriage and they trusted the priest. And she became close friends with a Dominican, Peter of Dacia, from Gotland. It is evident that through their correspondence that they shared a mystical bond of devotion. And in his account of her, Peter mentions altogether having 15 visits. Christine's brother followed Peter to Gotland and entered the Dominican order himself. But now protected by a parish priest, Christine was able to settle into a new life, more peaceful but still intense, wearing always the dress of the Beguines until her death. A collection of her letters have been published by an influential historian group known as the Bollandists. The Bollandists were a small group of Belgian Jesuit scholars who edited and published the Acta Sanctorum, a great collection of biographies and legends of saints that proliferated around Europe. They incorporated modern historical methods and they were able to sift through what had historical value and what was less easy to justify. Much of their work led to the liturgical reform of the Roman calendar of feasts. For instance, the downplaying of the legend of St. Christopher. Their huge library in Brussels is now more of a literary museum, and the Bollandist Society now includes lay historians, and is the only institution dedicated exclusively to the critical study of hagiography. There is a lot of fake news about saints, said a contemporary Bollandist, Mark Lindyer, and we can spend a lifetime just correcting Wikipedia. 
That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the controversial and popular writings of Tim LaHaye, who published the Left Behind series. I hope you enjoyed listening. For links to any reading that I've done to research these podcasts, visit us on www.pogp.net. And if you'd like to request a topic or ask any question, then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com. If you have time, please subscribe and share the podcast with friends. Have a lovely day wherever you are. And thanks for listening.